I'm going to bring home this big package of cookies. I should be able to handle it. I posted this phrase to our Breaking Up With Binge Eating coaching group on Facebook. And I included a picture of a person choosing items in a supermarket. And I asked people what they thought. I was hoping that our clients would see it and go, oh, I know that thought. And then they would come up with responses like, don't do it. It's a bad idea. But the first three responses were cookies, temptation, and foods on the bad list. Oops, I guess I wasn't clear enough. You see, the example of, I'm going to buy this big package of cookies and I should be able to handle it, is a type of thinking that gets many of us into trouble. We think, what's the big deal? I should be able to buy that and not binge on it. I mean, other people in the store are buying things like this. Why should I be different? But how many times has this scenario actually ended up with a binge and regret? Fairly often, I'd bet. Our client Rose said, I've had a lot of these moments in the supermarket. For me, it's chocolate or cake rather than cookies. And for me, it's a self-sabotaging thought in the sense that I know it's not true yet. I know deep down that within a few days, I will have eaten it all. I'd like for my thoughts about handling it to be true, and I'm prepared to work on it. But it's not true yet. So if I bring that stuff home, it does end up being self-sabotage. That is exactly what I was looking for. People to identify that thought as one that's really common to think, but is not helpful or true for many people in this moment. This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. One client told me a story about how she was sitting at a table laden with snacks at a family function. There was a large bowl of potato chips right in front of her. She wanted to stay seated there so she could catch up with a relative she hadn't seen in quite a while. She was embarrassed to admit that the chips might be a problem and told herself she should be able to handle it. Well, to her regret, she ended up eating a good amount of chips and not feeling so well. We talked about some possible options that may have been available to her in that situation. One possibility was relocating the chips, right? We can imagine offering them to the people sitting nearby and asking if it was okay to place them on a side table, or even inviting the relative to sit down with her on the couch or some other location. The possible solutions here are many. However, once we let shame in, or feelings of, I should be able to handle this, then the options are not available to us. We get locked in the eat, don't eat it debate. Back to the original question standing in the supermarket, whether to buy the package of cookies. Luckily, Diane saved the day. She had a perfect comeback. Of course you can handle it, she wrote, but why not just remove temptation and buy a smaller bag? You have nothing to prove. So for me at the supermarket, she continued, I might tell myself, don't kid yourself, this is not going to end well. And then I would choose a less challenging item that I could enjoy in amounts I can reasonably moderate. Responses like the one Diane came up with are how you beat sabotaging thoughts. You talk back to that sneaky voice and essentially say, uh-uh, 
that's not 100% true. Gwen offered up another example. She said, I tell myself I'll just have one, but I always eat more. I've heard that one a million times in my own head, haven't you? Luckily, when we get in the habit of noticing and pushing back against these thoughts, they stop driving our behavior. They stop fooling us into sitting next to the potato chips or buying the big bag of cookies that only sets us up for trouble. Or starting to pick at our kids' trail mix, a food that happens to be very difficult to moderate if it's in a large quantity in front of you. It's a key lesson in our coaching program to uncover these sabotaging thoughts and generate responses for each one. It never hurts to know exactly what phrases you want to be on the lookout for and to have your comebacks ready and memorized. Here are the sabotaging thoughts my clients uncovered this week, plus some responses. Here's Beth. The big one for me usually is, I'll be better tomorrow. I find myself thinking F it a lot and thinking tomorrow's the day I'll have more willpower or that I'll eat salad for lunch or we'll stop eating one full. I also think sometimes, what's the point? I restrict things I like, but I'm still overweight. Responses for this could be, no, instead of tomorrow, I'm going to try today, right now, and see what happens. I like to point out that our willpower or ability to stop eating when full won't magically just be stronger tomorrow. And especially if we're avoiding practicing using it today, how will it get stronger? By not trying to practice today, We're weakening our ability for tomorrow, in fact. It is funny that we have these intentions, and then when the moment comes to put it into action, it feels like it's always a special case, and some other time would definitely be better to do it. I have reminded myself that, no, this is exactly the time when you should follow through. Right here, right now. We're doing this. The feeling that this is not the right time is actually the cue for when it makes sense to bring out the strategies like 3D. If you're not sure what I mean by 3D, check back to the early episodes of this podcast and you'll find that the 3D process is our method for getting through binge urges. Jamie came up with some sabotaging thoughts of her own. This bit won't hurt. I can make up for it later in the week. And then she said that she's learned to remind herself, this thinking leads me down a path of eating that doesn't fit with my values. I don't want to practice eating my emotions. I don't want to strengthen that thought and that action. Lynn said, the big one for me is, I already ate bad. I should just keep going and start again tomorrow. And Lynn said that she learned to say, well, you ate badly, but it doesn't need to wreck your whole day and that she can get right back to her plan. Some other responses, which could work in similar situations, are 1. I don't need to be perfect. I can treat myself well starting right now. No issue if I made a mistake. 2. Three cookies is better than the whole bag. There's no need to make things worse. 3. Stopping and reducing the amount of food is a really beneficial skill, and I get to practice it right here, right now. And 4. As one of my clients came up with, If you drop your cell phone, you wouldn't stomp on it, would you? Lynn added, I really loved this lesson. Of all the things we covered in the program, this one made me think the most. I'm excited to keep adding more of these to my notebook. You never really think about how many unhelpful thoughts you have until you start writing them down. 
two more clients chimed in that they had pages of sabotaging thoughts journaled in just one week. They can come in swarms. Helen lined up three of her thoughts and knocked them down like a pro basketball player hitting effortless foul shots. Thought number one, it's not like it's going to work anyway. Response, the only thing I've consistently done is give up. I'm not doing that again. I'm worth more than that. My family is worth more than that. Thought number two, what's the point? Response, the point is to have a better life, and that starts today. There's never going to be a better time than right now. Thought number three, everyone already thinks you're a disgusting blob, so might as well act like it. Response, eating won't change how people see you, but not binging right now will change how you see you. Swish, swish, swish. Lastly, Diane brought up a kind of sabotaging thought, which may be the most sneaky of all. The type that shows up when you feel great and is determined to throw a wrench into your plans. Diane's sabotaging thought sounds like this. When I'm feeling really happy and keeping busy, it's easy to just forget to track my new habits. Like, I don't have to worry about binge eating anymore. I'm good. But these are sabotaging thoughts because life has ups and downs, and I still need to practice and take care of myself. That's a good point, isn't it? We don't want to think hastily that we're cured after a couple good weeks. We definitely want to enjoy and savor the happy times, but keeping the skills in a light level of practice will make sure they are accessible when things get more difficult and you really need to call on them. Things like eating regular meals, anticipating tricky food situations, practicing the 3D process to ride out urges, and looking for sabotaging thoughts. All of these are worth practicing during the smooth sailing times, so they're reliable grooves when the trickier months come around. So keep your ears tuned this week to the thoughts in your head. If your brain offers up thoughts like, I should be able to handle this, I don't need to be careful around this food anymore, or I'll just have a little, stop and double check. It might be true that you're ready to take on a challenging food situation, and we'll come out the other side victorious. I see that happen all the time. But I also see people suffer because they created difficult situations for themselves prematurely, and it ends up in overeating over and over. Take small steps. Forget about the whole idea that there's something you should be able to do, because there's no such thing. You're on a journey. We're all at different places, and where you are now is perfectly fine. I'll see you in the next episode, where we'll talk more about sabotaging thoughts and winning the mental game.